Good morning, brothers and sisters. In our first reading this weekend from the book of Exodus, we hear this most famous story from our history, from the salvation of the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt, how Moses, while he was tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, I was thinking Jethro, it's one of those names we don't hear as much anymore, so think about naming your next son Jethro. While he's tending the flocks up in the mountains, suddenly he comes across this bush that is literally on fire, but it's not burning. It's not being consumed by the flames. It's perfectly fine, untainted, and yet this large flame is engulfing it. Now, you can imagine if you were Moses tending the flocks, you would be a little curious. You've never seen anything like this in your life before. In fact, you know this is an impossibility. So you want to get a closer look. So Moses goes up, and as he's getting closer, it's already miraculous what's happening. A voice speaks to him from this burning bush. So he's already amazed at what he's seen. Now he's equally amazed at what he's hearing. And the voice is the voice of the Lord. And it tells him to remove his sandals from his feet because the ground on which he is standing is holy. Moses realizes immediately he's in the presence of God, that only this type of miracle could be performed by God. And so God and he have this, this dialogue in which obviously he chooses Moses, he calls him, and he equips him in order to go and do his will to set the people free from their slavery in Egypt. The saints and the fathers tell us that Moses is a type of Christ. As Christ was sent to set us free, so Christ himself sends Moses to set his people free. The reason we know it was Christ who sent Moses is because the voice from the bush is the voice of God. And since Jesus is the word of God, he is that voice. So it was actually the second person of the Blessed Trinity who was speaking to Moses from the bush. Obviously, the father willed it, so it was the father's voice who is the son. So here you have the Logos, the second person, before he's become incarnate to set us free from sin, sending Moses to set his people free from slavery in Egypt. Now, a very beautiful imagery and recognition that we hear also from the saints and the fathers is that the burning bush itself, meaning this physical bush that is on fire but not being consumed, is actually a type or representative of the Blessed Mother. And they point this out to us because the Blessed Mother, unlike any other creature in all of creation, was totally and completely filled with the fire of God's love. And yet she wasn't consumed by it. She contained God within herself in his entirety. And yet she wasn't destroyed. It was an absolute miracle. In fact, an impossibility. One of the fathers says that even though the whole universe can't contain God, he dwelt in the womb of the virgin. So Mary, in fact, is the true burning bush. She's the true burning bush. Because the word of God, which came forth from this bush in the book of Exodus, is in fact the same word who came forth from this virgin incarnate. So it's really beautiful imagery. Now yesterday we celebrated the solemnity of St. Joseph. 
the husband of Mary, the second greatest saint in the church. You've got, obviously, Jesus. He's not a saint. He's God. He doesn't count. You've got the blessed mother, greatest saint of the church. No one else compares to her. And then second under her is Joseph. And the reason we know he is the second most important saint in the church is simply because of how much Jesus must have trusted him. Trusted him to be his earthly foster father. Here is the Lord who's designed this plan with his father and the Holy Spirit to come into this world through the Virgin Mary. We already know he trusted her. He would have only chosen the best mother possible, so clearly she's the best. God the Father is entrusting himself and his love for his son to this woman. But then he has to find an equally trustworthy man to entrust this woman to. And so he searches all of space and time, and he comes up with this lowly carpenter, Joseph. The Heavenly Father must have had perfect confidence in St. Joseph to entrust his son and the mother of his son to his care. So if Mary is this, this burning bush through which the word of God comes forth to set his people free, not from slavery in Egypt, but from slavery to sin, Joseph was given care of this precious gift for our sake. Now, while I've been meditating and thinking about this, I realize that we have a word in our Catholic language that we use a lot and we don't always fully appreciate. The word is devotion. We often talk about our devotions to the saints, our devotions to the Blessed Mother, to the Eucharist. An easy way to define devotion in this sense is an intense love for. When you truly love something, someone, you're devoted to it, committed. You have a relationship with them or with it. I mean, you can technically be devoted to an object, like your car. That would be weird, but it can happen. Obviously, that's an improper devotion, but devotion is necessary in life. Devotion is just as necessary in our spiritual lives. Obviously, our greatest devotion needs to be to God. We don't only devote ourselves to him, we adore him. He is the Lord. No one receives worship and glory from us the way he does. But in our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, we also need devotion to the saints. It's non-negotiable. It's not an option. You have to do it. You have to have it. Now, it doesn't mean you have to have devotion to all the saints. There are so many pick and choose which ones you like and you feel comfortable with. And I had a priest friend of mine who always chooses the weirdest unknown saint in the world and starts praying for their intentions because he figures nobody else is praying to them, so they're going to be focused just on me, you know? I thought that was brilliant logic. (laughs) But two saints in particular that every Christian must have devotion to, the Blessed Mother, obviously, the mother of our Lord, and St. Joseph. Now, I I talk enough, we pray enough, the Hail Mary. You, You know 
the need for devotion to Our Lady in the spiritual life. But I think, and even for myself, I fail in this regard in my devotion to Saint Joseph. I don't talk to him as much as I should. I don't pray and seek his intercession as much as I should. Now sometimes people think, well, do I really need this devotion? Do I really need someone to intercede on my behalf when I can go directly to Jesus? And I would simply point out to you our Lord's parable in the gospel today. Here he is talking to the Pharisees and he's warning them, if you don't repent, you will be condemned. Terrible things will happen to you. Repentance is your salvation. And the parable is a man had a fig tree in his garden. And for three years, he came by looking for figs on this tree. If you plant something in the garden, you expect it to bear fruit. If it doesn't, you kill it, get rid of it, and plant something better. So for three years, he comes looking for figs. He gives the tree three years to produce fruit. Nothing happens. Finally, he's fed up. I've wasted all this time and energy on this useless tree. Let's dig it up, try something new, because it's just sucking nutrients from the soil and doing no good with it. So he tells his gardener, just just cut it down and burn it. Our Lord is basically saying, for those souls who do not bear spiritual fruit, they are as good as damned. But what does the gardener say to the Lord? Please, sir, give me just one more year. I'll cultivate the soil around the tree. And then if it doesn't bear fruit, you can cut it down. So the gardener pleads on behalf of the tree. Please give it more time. Be patient. Be merciful. It doesn't deserve your mercy, but let me work with it, and maybe I can get it to bear fruit. On its own, it won't, but maybe I can help. Now, this gardener clearly represents Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the true Adam who was the original gardener. But Jesus also sends us the many saints to assist him in pleading on our behalf to the Father. Consider it from this perspective. God the Father has a certain number of years he's willing to wait for each one of us to bear fruit. Once we've reached that number of years, he's done. That's it. Okay. You're damned, it's over, end their life, it's a waste of time to put any more work into you. But he does want to save you even though you don't deserve it, he wants to save all of us, so he sends his son to plead on our behalf. So it's the master who sent the gardener. So it's not that the father doesn't want to save you, but because of justice he is required to give you a specific length of days. But again, to give you more time, he sends his only son. And so now Jesus, the gardener, is working in the world, and he's saying, oh, Father, give me a few more years with these plants, please. I'm I'm sure I can do something with them. If, If not, then you can cut them down. And the Father's like, okay, son, because you asked. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus is like, I got a great idea. I'm gonna do what my father did. So he sends the Blessed Mother. And so now the Blessed Mother can plead on their behalf to him. He can plead on their behalf to God, and we get even more time. Now, the Blessed Mother sees, oh, Jesus is really smart. He must have learned this from this father. I'm going to do the same thing. So she sends St. Joseph. 
So basically, all of the saints and angels are working in tandem to give each of us as much intercession, as much time as possible to repent. And when we have special devotion to them, they can intercede more powerfully with us. That's why devotion is necessary in the spiritual life. I've told you the story once before, and I'll tell it again because it's so powerful. St. Padre Pio one day received uh, an old woman who had been coming to his church, and she was concerned because her husband had committed suicide. He had thrown himself off a bridge because he had gotten diagnosed with cancer and didn't want to suffer and die that way. He just wanted to end it quickly. Catholic Church teaching we know is very clear on suicide. It's murder, breaking the fifth commandment. So she was worried he went to hell. So she goes to Padre Pio, who was a mystic, who could find out things like this. And he prayed, and the Lord revealed to him that he wasn't in hell. So the old lady came back the next day, and he said, he's not in hell, he's in purgatory, you need to pray and have masses said to get him out. Now, she was, of course, so happy. But she didn't understand he committed suicide by jumping off a bridge. How could he have had time to repent? And so she asked Padre Pio, how is this possible? I know the church is teaching. And this is what Padre Pio told her. Now, her husband hadn't been to Mass in 30, 40 years, never went to confession, never prayed. He was a very, very bad Catholic. To top it all off, he kills himself to avoid suffering. But a few decades earlier, there was something he wanted, probably something he had to do with his job. And so he said a quick prayer at home to the Blessed Mother, and he got what he asked for. So in Thanksgiving, he had bought some flowers at a local market, went into the church, only time he had visited the church in like 50 years, and put the flowers at her statue just in gratitude for her intercession. Then he left, didn't look back. Because of those flowers, the Blessed Mother had waited until the end of his life to intercede for him. And at the moment he jumped off the bridge, she turned to her son and she pleaded for mercy. And because his mother asked, Jesus gave him the grace of final repentance. And so before he hit the water, he had repented of what he had done. And so our Lord was able to save him. All because of the Blessed Mother's intercession. All because he said one little prayer to her and gave her flowers for answering that prayer. That tiny act of devotion saved his soul. And if such a tiny act of devotion can save a soul who's so deeply rooted in sin, imagine how much more easily it will be for our Lord to save us when we have such a strong and abiding devotion, not only to the mother of God, but also to St. Joseph. The reason in every Catholic church where you find statues, you'll find these two saints is because the church is telling you this is non-negotiable. We need these intercessors. We need them. Without them, our chances of salvation are diminished. But it's not surprising that our Lord would give them to us because they are the holy family. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Now, what are some ways we can improve our devotion to St. Joseph? And this is true with any devotion, of course. The key to all devotion is communication. If you're not talking with somebody, 
you can't grow in love for them. This is one of the reasons why when you don't like somebody or upset with somebody, you don't want to talk to them. So talking to somebody forces your heart to open up whether you want to or not. So you have to converse with St. Joseph on a more regular basis. You could be a little prayer that you offer every day. You could offer novenas. There are wonderful novenas and prayers to St. Joseph. You just look them up online or get some good Catholic prayer books. But another thing we do when we have devotion to someone or when we want to increase our devotion is we have pictures or statues or images of them in our home. You know, we used to carry pictures of people, especially family, in our wallets. I was always a little weirded out by those people who had those billfolds with like 20 pictures that would unroll. Now they have cell phones for that, so now you can have 5,000 images on your cell phone. So, how many of you have an image of the Blessed Mother and or Saint Joseph on your cell phone? You take pictures of food for crying out loud. (laughs) And you don't have a picture of these saints. Think about it for a moment. That doesn't make sense. That's a small thing. You just go online, Google St. Joseph images and download one and put it on your phone. You can even put it on your, scr- not screensaver, they don't have screensavers. What are they? Uh, your wallpaper. Yeah, see, dating myself a little bit. I remember when screensavers were necessary. Otherwise, the screen would freeze up, right? That's a lifetime ago. But again, having images, statues, pictures, it's a great way to remind yourself of that person and your connection to them. This is why we do it with family. We should also do it with the saints. When I was in college and working on my relationship, especially with our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, I would often sometimes carry around an image of the Eucharist, just a little image in my pocket, or an image of the Divine Mercy or the Blessed Mother or St. Joseph. And it's not like I was taking it out and lovingly looking at it throughout the day. That would weird most people out. That would weird me out. But the fact that I kept it on me, and every morning I put it in my pocket, and every night I took it out, it was a constant daily reminder that I need to think of these people. I need to allow them to come to my mind. Otherwise, they'll never come to my heart. So I encourage all of you to work on your relationship with St. Joseph. To strive in in one way or another to improve your devotion to him. Because if our Lord trusted him so much to entrust to him, not only the mother of the Lord, but his own divine son, then how could it not but benefit us to entrust ourselves in our hearts, in our homes, to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.